From the Rookery End is sponsored by Bet365 and their app features over 300,000 sporting events. It's got everything you need to bet on sports. Personalise your bet by using the Bet365 Bet Builder to combine a wealth of bets including match results, players to score and number of goals. And you can feel closer to the action through text and graphics in the Bet365 Match Live features. Become part of Bet365, the world's favourite online betting company, by downloading the app from your app store. Bet365, it's got everything you need to bet on sport. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hello and welcome to From the Rooker End, a Watford podcast brought to you by The Athletic. My name is John, with me is Mike. Hello John. Hello Mike and Jason. He sounds happy. Yeah, we're all happy because Watford have just won 1-0 at home to Luton Town, the first Watford-Luton M1 derby for uh, near on 14 years. Well, are we calling it M1? Are we going with that? I don't think M1 derby is something that's new, isn't it? Is it the M1? M1? I don't, I've seen this, so people have been going about this on, on Twitter. I'm sure it was called the M1 Derby when I was young I don't don't care we beat them who cares the big one the big one that's what it is (laughs) it was a big one uh, and it was a big performance and we're going to talk about that performance Uh, we'll chat to Adam Leventhal later in the uh, podcast about how the transfers are going or not going fingers crossed on a few of those we'll also hear from Vladimir Ivic uh, post-match but Mike the, the big thing we've talked about the last couple of games is the thing that hadn't changed for Watford, which was we were terrible in first halves. We finished last season terrible in first halves and it continued. It was a bit different today. Yeah, it was. And I thought, I felt for the first time we're watching a Vladimir Ivic side here doing what he wanted them to do. I thought Watford held their shape really well, both in defence when they had the ball and without it. And that in turn made it very, very difficult for Luton to do anything. And I thought it's clicking. And I wonder if it's those slight changes in personnel a certain Ismail Assar was in the side. Garner came in and, and looked good. The shape looked excellent, I thought. And it just, at times, it was it was men against boys, really. And Watford did all the footballing, made all the running. Luton, they were a threat in terms of a championship threat, the threat that you'd expect them to, to be. But really, Watford made all the running. And I think it was really, really pleasing to see. And the tantalising thing now, of course, is that we're seeing players. We saw Troy come on at the end. We've seen Saar. If we, can we hang on to these players? Can we hang on to Hughes? Because if you think about those three players, all of a sudden, again, we're ticking back up. We've said in previous podcasts, we're up and down, up and down a little bit. It's, we don't quite know where we are. We're inching towards the end of the transfer window. And if we can keep this squad together, all of a sudden, it looks it looks pretty good, doesn't it? And the worry for me, Jason, in the week was Watford have won a game, drawn a game, not being convincing at any point. And I don't think I was at all confident going into this game because in my head that wasn't going to be the starting squad in any shape or form maybe I was being a bit hung over from the Newport game where you know none of those players were really part of it but for you you know it, it was the same lineup let's say not lineup same formation as he's used you know it's a it's a three five two um, with a little bit of fluidity in there of course but w- what was it for you that really made a difference H- who let's say, do you think really made the difference? Maybe Saar made the difference, but in the way it seemed to release Ngakia more, and we saw an excellent performance from Ngakia today. 
I also think maybe the way that Luton played made a difference because they didn't play in the same way that Middlesbrough and Sheffield Wednesday have played. They didn't press as much as, as those two teams. And I, I think that afforded us a bit more time at the back. But then we also pressed more. And I think you say we sort of played the same formation, but it was slightly different in that whereas we've played a lot of 3-4-3, three, three, this was more 3-5-2. That allowed an extra man to sort of push forward from midfield. That was cleverly very important from him today. He got forward early. He was pressing high and forcing those mistakes. And I think in the first half, certainly there are a lot of times where... Luton was struggling to get out we were forcing mistakes getting the ball back they weren't pressing as high so we were then able to sort of play the ball around we played our passes a lot better today I thought our retention of the ball was a lot better and it just yeah just that's I think where it all came from not no particular individual but more the way both teams played I was thinking as we watched it what's so important I think for this Watford side is they have to say focused and they have to say disciplined because if they do that for the 90 minutes then I think this is going to, they're going to be a successful side. But I think it is absolutely, they, you can't switch off. I think Luton had that chance, should have scored, hit the bar, and that was from a mistake from Christian Cabaselli. Ismail Assar gave the ball away a little bit, and perhaps because Jason said there that Luton weren't pressing so much, so we did find ourselves with a little bit more time, and we were able to play more of the sort of triangles, more of the nice little interplay that we haven't really seen so much this season. But if you switch off, it all falls, it doesn't work at all. If you make mistakes, it comes undone very quickly because it's fine margins. We're not going to win games 4-0. It's going to be 1-0, 2-1, that sort of thing. That was noticeable. But yeah, I think to to mention Ngakia, I think is absolutely right. I think what an incredible first half from from him. Not not quite as impactful, I don't think, in the the second half, but it didn't have to be. Was still absolutely superb. Definitely in the running for man of the match. And on the other side, Semmer, I thought, you know, he's almost been viewed as a sort of comfy pair of jeans. Just nice to have Ken back and he's sort of, we'd sort of quite sort of chill with him. Actually, he probably don't, I thought he was brilliant today. Skillful, strong, good touch and, you know, some really good forays into the box, beating men, laying it off nicely. So those two, either side, the two wing backs, either side of the those three, I thought were, were absolutely brilliant. And yeah, you mentioned cleverly there as well. So we just felt solid as a defensive unit, much, much better in the, in midfield. Uh, distribution was better, as Jason said. I thought Nathaniel Chalabar had a, had a really, really good game until unfortunately he came off. And Saar almost, just him being on the team sheet, Everyone has to worry about him because they know full well that all he has to do is toe poke it past the, your, your defender and he's gone. They know that, so they have to pay attention to him, which of course frees up areas other other places in the in the field. So I just think him being on the pitch allowed us; it gave us something, it gives us an extra dimension. That you know he didn't have a massive impact on the ball necessarily. I don't think we didn't see that electric pace unleashed really through, throughout the game, and I think he looked a little bit frustrated. But hopefully he will understand the impact that just being there has. We don't want him just to stand there and say, well, watch out, we've got a side. You look over, you look over there while we do this. But it just goes back to what I was saying earlier in the, earlier, at the top of the, the show there. It's in, so if we can keep this team together, it's starting, we can start to see where the out is coming because I've been worried about how we score goals. Again, we've only scored one today. We probably could have had a, a couple more, probably should have done really. We could have had two or three really. Some decent saves from the keeper and another day they, they, they drop in, that sort of thing. But we're starting to see now how it's going to work 
And I think it is dependent on what the squad looks like, who comes in, who leaves. And I think you've been a bit... I think, you know, second half at Sheffield Wednesday, I was I was impressed with this. Bit in, bit in bits of bobs against Middlesbrough, I was impressed. So I don't think... I think we, it's because we've had so many of these weird little Carabao Cup games and that we don't know the state of the team, it's been hard to... I think if we'd only had those league games till yeah, now, perhaps. I wouldn't have maybe talked in the, in the same way. I had that feeling I had in the week. The big difference, and you talked about... You know, we've, we've literally seen... A, a building of a of a team over those last few weeks, it felt a little bit today that the, the team that played today have played with each other a lot more, bar a few of them. In terms of the you know Pedro up front has been not played a lot. Let's talk about him, but him and Saar have been around each other for a good few months now, not just a couple of weeks. But but Pedro, he's been knocking on that door. He finally got his first goal, and of course, as everyone knows, it's his birthday uh, and a fantastic thing to do. His performance today really just sums up what he, what we think he's going to do. But he just is a little bit off still, just a little bit off. Yeah, I think so. I think um, the first 20 minutes, uh, I think he tried a couple of things, didn't quite happen for him. He he looked a little bit frustrated at times. He had the chance before he scored the goal, um, where he did, did well to get his shot off, maybe caught the keeper unawares. It, it perhaps could have been a more comfortable save for the keeper. Lucky for him that uh, someone wasn't following following that in, otherwise that would have been 1-0 then. And then he got his goal and, and I, it looked like it was going in Anyway, but I guess you could say it was a bit of fortune because it could easily just have hit the defender and, and gone away when there was a massive, great big gap the other side. If he'd have just sort of maybe, I don't know, put his foot across the ball a bit more and sort of put it in the far corner. But it doesn't matter. It went in, hit the back of the net, and you sort of hope that that gives him a bit more more confidence. Which I, I said he was frustrated early on the game, but I don't think he lacks that much confidence. No. I think he's he still when he picks the ball up, he looks to to run at players. And at the end of the game, he got the ball and he looked nutmeg. He literally he was doing that. He was going, right, if I hold back a bit and now I've nutmegged you. He was looking for that. That's ultimate confidence. Yeah, but as we've seen, he's happy to do the physical side of the game as well. And he's not not afraid of sort of drawing the free kicks as well. There's I think there's a difference between someone who dives and someone who is happy to to take the contact draw a foul and get get the foul and I think he's he's one of those players he's happy to and and these are big lads at the back in the championship we certainly yeah. saw a couple of them today he's sort of happy to sort of go not toe to toe maybe back to front is that sound right he'll back into the player try and turn them and if he can't get away and he feels the challenge coming in he, yeah he'll, he'll go down and win the free kick it's a promising early start for a player that's not played any sort of regular competitive football for for what probably well over a season since he was back in Brazil. I feel like we're watching him grow. I think he's getting better before before our eyes. And I, and I make you right, Jace. I don't think he lacks confidence at all. I think he's been thrust into that sort of central striker role, really, hasn't he? And he hasn't he hasn't taken a backward step. I don't think. I think he's looked really good. But you could argue that this isn't he this isn't like anything he would have faced before these hulking great big unit center backs pushing him around treading on his toes doing whatever you know all the tricks of the trade will be flying in there and he hasn't taken a backward step at all and I think he's getting better and better with each with each passing we can only we're only game week three whatever it is in the in the premier in the premier league oh. if only well interesting you say about the premier league he, I don't think he would have got those chances he wouldn't have played anywhere near as many games if we'd been in the premier league so this is going to be fantastic to see a now 19 year old play so much more football and develop and be 
hopefully more exciting much more quicker yeah I agree and I like the fact I agree I picked up on the fact that both him and Ismail Assar looked frustrated at times in the in the in the first half but that was because it was almost coming off uh, or because someone had found space and someone had just missed hit that hit the pass so we were getting into right space the shape was doing what it was supposed to do those guys were getting into space that they were supposed to and people were trying to find them so I like the fact that they were they were getting frustrated it shows they care it shows they know they're near um, and I just think it's not going to take potentially it wouldn't take much for them to be you know Sarah and Pedro to be an incredible force in in the championship they're going to find it hard sometimes because you know Luton uh, you know for all all the nonsense about uh, them being our rivals they are relatively you know they have a limit as to the way they can play the game and that, that we will play better teams than than Luton this season although they've obviously had a good start so there's going to be challenges ahead but I think the way they were ably supported by the midfield I think Garner as well I know we've mentioned him but the way you said John it just looks like a team who's played to played together I think that goes down to, to training I think that goes down to Vladimir Ivic and being very very strong about who he wants in and around the squad he said it again um, in his post-match words, I want people who are committed and focused on Watford. And that's that's bearing fruit in a team that is working hard for each other. Being there at the ground, you could hear people talking. There was a spine of, of people there. You know, Ben Foster's always talking. Tom Cleverley's um, talking. Chalabar's very, very vocal as well. And, but I thought James Garner slotted into into the into the into that side really really well. Didn't look phased by by the championship at all, as we should expect. Not he's played, got Premier League minutes and Europa League minutes under his belt. So that is a real canny canny signing for for Watford. And it just feels like, and again, I'm not going to get carried away, but it just feels like the the, the bits are coming together quite nicely. I said a bit from Ivic in terms of we've already talked about that fact that the Ivic ball uh, and it was much more in effect and you know doing what we were expecting it to do but I suppose Jason the bit I was more interested in was actually how he finished the game the worry I got a little bit when we spoke to uh, journalists from over in, in Israel about what he did defence was first and we've definitely put some defensive performances in in the first few games this season but it didn't really stop. He didn't make a defensive substitution. He only made like-for-like substitutions, and none of those were defensive, which I suppose was surprising, but also exciting. Yeah, I mean, I suppose technically you say Keener coming on maybe a, a slightly defensive substitution, but then he seemed to be, he, he played in the same position anyway. He sort of stayed further forward um, and did all right, a little cameo at the end there, didn't he? So yeah, and we... We just dealt with it. We we we've been good enough all the way through the game. So Luton did what a lot of clubs will do. They they lobbed the big man up front, and I think Sonny Bradley stayed up front for the last five minutes or so. Um, and we just just dealt with it. There was never any fuss, never any panic. They were trying to launch it up there. I mean, we gave well right at the end. I think we gave away a free kick, but there were no silly fouls and and. We, People use the phrase, always oh, a Watfordy thing to do, to do some things. And one of the things that's always worried me in the past is our propensity to be able to give dangerous free kicks away, sort of in and around the box. And we just, we, we didn't seem to do that at all today. 11 corners for us, one for them, tells its own story, doesn't it? But every corner went to the near post. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's interesting what you say, John, about, about Ivic. And he obviously, I think maybe it's less about focusing on a defensive mindset and more that shape. I think that's the big thing. And if you don't concede many goals, 
that doesn't mean it's a negative approach. It means you're well-organised and well-drilled and hard to play against. And I do wonder whether, and I don't want to jinx it by talking about Saar again, but in Saar, in um, in Pedro too, you know, potentially real prodigious chat talents backed up with some decent... Um, obviously, we had we have Pericha, who's a different threat altogether, Glenn Murray, who's a different threat, and we it was nice to see Troy Deeney come on and uh, ruffle a few feathers at the end there as well. Ruffle. Ruffle. <laughs> he almost gave him whiplash with that little uh, bang in the back. But has, has Vladimir Ivic had this sort of wealth of attacking talent at his disposal before and and in Saar and Pedro real potential you know top six top four Premier League you know Champions League footballers I I think so it's it's quite quite tantalizing really it's not like me to go over overboard is it one way or the other but you know a a good setup with with that sort of flair up front Parita Murray Dini to come in when the when the going gets tough perhaps I think it's quite it's quite interesting. So I'm, I, I want to want to be a bit careful about sort of decrying his style as being defensive. It's not massively. It's, there's not loads of flair. But what he's doing is making sure Watford win football games. And if Watford had won one more football game last year, we'd be having a very different conversation today. So I'm I'm excited. I like the sort of slow burn element of it. And we could have won three 0 today. And no, I don't think anyone could have really had had any complaints. It would have maybe flattered us a little bit. But two nil would have been a perfect win. And I I just feel like that this is a competent side in the Championship. It already looked very difficult to beat. Middlesbrough, they weren't really in any danger. Sheffield Wednesday, I loved the way that we overtook them for that second half. We didn't get the chance, we didn't score. But the fact that we just sort of ran past them as they just wilted and just we just ended the game in the complete ascendancy. And today we were we were we were the best team from from minute naught to minute ninety five. And I'm, I just love the slow evolution of it. I think it's I think it's fascinating. I thought the pitch looked bigger today. <laughs> Sounds like a weird thing to say. All right, Mourinho. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So, yeah, it sounds like a weird thing to say, but I thought we the players were more stretched, and I think that comes from what I said at the start about maybe they weren't pressing, maybe we were pressing higher. But we seem to be able to get a lot more space, and that to me doesn't suggest a, a defensive mindset. If you've got players that are constantly moving, looking for space, ready to pick up the ball, put that in in place with our sort of higher tempo way of playing and sort of pinging the ball about, it, yeah, it, it, it suggests to me that we're not going to be entirely sitting back, waiting for a counter and nicking a 1-0. I think we will see, hopefully, we will see games where our dominance actually leads to bigger wins, more goals. Um, and like Mike says, as we get more players back in, then I think perhaps we will. It's Yeah, let's not get over overexcited but we can see that things do look positive Adam and Mike were at Vickers Road and after the game of course as his role as the athletics correspondent for Watford Adam was at the post-match and sent us this audio of what Ivic had to say and of course you had to ask him about the goal scorer and the birthday boy it's nice to score the, the goal on the day your, on your birthday it's a good present for himself for all of us for the team for the fans for everyone who is close to the Watford FC we start this game much better than previous four games. This is what we want and how we want to play during the 90-95 minutes. Don't want to look about excuses and don't want to watch about to tell about some excuse about our previous games. But uh, you know, I said a lot of times that we are still not in the 100% of our ability. We have a lot of space to improve our games, and uh, we ex- I expect from my player after this break what will be in the in the next uh, next week after the next game 
that we will have some space to walk and to do these things what we didn't do on the pre-season because of a lot of reasons, because of a lot of reasons what we had in this period. A lot of, not just this month, all the players, all the team work hard. Normally when you have one guy, one player like Ismail Sar, don't need to speak about his quality, but he's the guy who work uh, hard from the moment when he start to work with the team and very positive uh, uh, men who ask to play and uh, who want to play. And for me it's important that players who want to be here and who want to play, to play. We are prepared this game um, like in previous games, that means to we play one game for the three points. We know that this derby, this is important game for everyone who, who, who loves and who is here, who loves the Watford FC. For me it's a, a one game for three points, uh, yes, derby, we, ex- we respect uh, every derby here, but uh, I believe that my players work, uh, work hard, they have deserved this victory. We were a better team from the beginning until the end. I believe that uh, Luton created just one chance uh, the bar and uh, without other chance. Uh, we were the team who created uh, four or five chances and uh, we could score more, more goal in these games. Okay, game by game, I believe that our uh, performance will be, will be better. For me, it's important that every one of them put themselves to the team and to do this what the team needs from them. Okay? Normally, the player, quality player, we will recognize them and they will show their, their quality in these games. And uh, for sure he is the guy with the quality and the rest of my players, not just João Pedro, is the players with quality. But what we want to do, we want to fix one team, one group of the player who will know their position in the team. And they need to work for the team. And the team is this who win the game, that means not one player. Team is this who win the game. The team is this who don't win the game. And so it's very important to all of us understand what mean the team. Remember, if you want to subscribe to the Athletic, it's actually quite ridiculous at the moment. It only costs you a pound a month, uh, and to do that, you need to go to theathletic.com forward slash rookerend, where you can have access to some of the best writing and analysis of football that there is out there. Of course, there's the brand new new service that has started in the last few weeks, uh, as well as if you are a subscriber. Every podcast, including from the Rookery End, is absolutely ad-free via the app. From the Rookery End, a podcast about life following Watford FC. Mike Zeno is Parkin. He's a son called Arlo, and this is our feature, Michael Parkinson. It gives me great pleasure to welcome, once again, to Michael Parkinson, it's Arlo. Arlo, can I just ask you, what do you think of Luton? Actually, don't answer that. I know you know the answer. Don't answer it. Arlo, how are you doing? Good, and also what I think of Luton is poo. Yeah, OK, we'll let, you, we'll let that one slide. So, Watford have beaten Luton today in the, in the local derby, which is good. The first local derby in your life. How do you feel about winning that? Happy! You get your name on the back of your Watford shirts, don't you? So, bearing in mind Watford are doing OK and you're happy with the current squad, if you had to choose one of the current team to have on the back of your shirt, who would you choose? Who's caught your eye so far this season? Batman. Batman? What about someone who's playing in the league? And I also said that because I want the goalkeeper kit. Ah, cunning. Very good. Right, OK. But so, Christmas. OK, if you're listening, Santa Arlo would like the goalkeeper kit with Backman on the back. Ben Foster, if you're listening, no hard feelings. All right, so if you had to have a shirt, a player on the back of your shirt, who would you choose at the moment? João Pedro. João Pedro, the birthday boy. You think he's pretty decent? Is his birthday? Yeah, he's 19. Happy birthday! Arlo, 
Yes, you're obviously very excited, so I'm not going to keep you any longer. Thank you very much for joining us. Bye. Now, Mike caught up with Adam at the game. Uh, Mike was there for Opta. Adam was there covering the game. Uh, And, of course, we had to find out what's going down, because Adam is a man who speaks to a lot of people about a lot of transfers and knows a lot more than we do. So where are we at with some of these transfers? Adam, how are you? I'm all right. Got a bit of a funny feeling, but I'm all right. It's called Derbyitis, my yes. friend. Derbyitis, and I think we've we're all we've all woken up with that sort of interesting yeah. feeling in our tummies. It's got uh, more and more virulent, I think. As the uh, is that the right word? Well, I'm going to go with it. More and more virulent as the week's gone on, and the day has dawned. We're here nice and early, so we'll talk about that in a minute, Adam. But um, before we do. We don't know the teams yet because we are here early. Obviously, it being a, a special day, we thought we'd get here nice and early. You've written about Ishmael Assar again in the week. Um, what's the latest on him and what's the latest on the sort of ever-evolving world of, of Watford transfers? <laughs> it's, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because we've effectively got a week left until the, the international window closes. Um, so it's going to be a, a busy week of activity for Watford, especially considering incomings, you know, sorting out transfers from Udinese and, uh, and whatnot. If we deal with Saar, then, yeah, I, I wrote a piece the morning after the, the Newport defeat with the sort of the latest intelligence <laughs> then. Nothing has sort of kicked on since then, really. Basically, the, you know, the big link was obviously with Liverpool. They seemingly made a choice over either Saar or Diogo Jota. They got Jota. Then subsequent to that, there was a, another link with him. I was told that, no, look, they've, they've made their choice now. They're, they're unlikely to come back in for him. And then that made a lot of other clubs realise that they might have a chance. But it's whether they have either the, the money or the inclination to, to do the deal. Manchester United being one of those clubs, they've obviously got the potential signing of Jadon Sancho at the top of their list, but that's looking highly unlikely because Dortmund have sort of said look he's not going so back off but who knows if that's going to develop if it doesn't then he might become an option sar for them so the long and short of it is Watford want a set amount of money from 40 to 50 million pounds is sort of like the ideal scenario for them looking into the the Liverpool link obviously working with the Athletic James Pearce who is the, the the biggest brain on Liverpool highlighted the fact that the deal that didn't happen with Liverpool was mainly due to the fact that Watford would have ideally liked a significant amount of money up front and Liverpool weren't prepared to do that and meanwhile Wolves were quite happy with a, a smaller down payment. I think it shows that things sort of, there were definitely discussions but that is part of the thinking that if we're going to sell him we want this cash to make a difference and to almost balance the books after our relegation. We've had a 50% drop in central payments in the parachutes and all that sort of stuff. They want the money. If the deal is right, he will go. But obviously they want to keep him because if he has a great season in the championship, he will be worth 60, 70 million by that time because he'll have a, a solid body of work and people will go, yeah, 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 we really, really, really do need him. But then I guess also from their point of view, they'll go, do we cash in when his stock is really high? Because people, despite the fact that Watford have been relegated, seemingly do really want him. You know, the champions of England, champions of Europe want this player. So it's a different, difficult balancing act. Well, we want him as well. So let's, let's see what happens. Right, I'm going to run through a couple of players, Adam. I just want a one line, okay. your summation, your sort of where we're at with, with these guys. Let's start with someone who we know is not back in the country for, for a number of reasons. Gerard Delafay. Still at Andorra, still working hard on his fitness deal aiming to be done with various clubs 
Napoli have, have been obviously strongly linked. There have been discussions, but at this stage, nothing is happening as we speak. But who knows? His, his, his agent might be having a, you know, a lovely continental, bre- continental breakfast with uh, Di Aurelius or whatever his name is at, at Napoli as we speak. I don't think Gerard Delafay will be having a continental breakfast, judging by his abs. My goodness gracious, he is looking, he's looking magnificent. Well done, Gerard, on, on that. Now, Roberto Pereira. <laughs> Did you just congratulate Gerard Delafay on his abs? I know how hard I know how hard it is to reach that uh, that well, sculpted level. Yeah, so uh, there, having it. having sweated yeah. uh, for for three or four minutes once <laughs> to try and get there, I, I know how difficult it is. So Roberto Pereira, your friend of mine. Uh, yeah, well, he seemingly he he's going to be the sort of he's going to be going the other direction if William Trustekong comes in from from Udinese. That seems to be the the perceived logic at the moment. I don't think anything's nailed down, but I think this week, especially you know as I mentioned the the end of the European window on Sunday, they will be basically going right. Look, we've got to sort out our international transfers, and yeah, the expectation is that he will go. There is a sort of an extra element to it is because Udinese have Rodrigo de Paul, who they're trying to shift. He might be going to Leeds, so if they want an extra player that wants to play number 10 and is vastly experienced, etc., etc., then he will fit the bill. They've also brought in Fernando Forestieri as well, so I don't know whether that means if Pereira goes, they also keep him or potentially he comes over here. Who knows? And I'm not even going to try. And We did the Q&A yesterday on The Athletic, and there's so many questions about, you know, how much do you think that deal will cost for, between Watford and Udinese? And do, who do you think is going to go? To be honest, I think sometimes things are done. It's, it's just like whack-a-mole, <laughs> you know. They, they have to just sort of deal with it there and then. They, they might have a plan, but there are so many other sort of pieces of the jigsaw that need to fit in before, before it's all sorted. And I'm not even going to hazard a guess as to, you know, what fee they say this is worth and all that sort of stuff. Because, to be quite frank, who knows? Etienne Capu. Obviously, the, you know, Watford sort of <laughs> dropped, the, dropped the bombshell that he's asked for a transfer. At the moment, things are sort of moving forward. Valencia obviously want him. Javi Gracia obviously wants him. Um, and that is one to, I think, probably, it's probably been pushed into next week now and um, that will get done relatively soon. But to be honest, I think there's also another element to that, that they won't want to lose every experienced player that they've got in midfield. So I'm not necessarily sure if it's, if it's completely done and dusted, but it has been sort of rumbling on for quite a few weeks now. So I'd expect, I'd expect him to move, but then it's a funny old game. It certainly is, Bob. It certainly is. And finally, and an interesting one, we haven't really heard much about, about him, um, and I don't know if you've got anything on him, feel, feel free to pass. We've struggled to score goals so far this season. What about Danny Welbeck? Well, Danny Welbeck has been training away from the group. I think he's one of the players that's sort of effectively waiting in the departure lounge. He is fit. He will return if need be. And I think as sort of time ticks along and, and he's got a little bit longer so it might be a you know a domestic transfer so that can go all the way until the 16th so um, he's not someone to sort of down tools and be a bad egg but he is sort of being kept away from the group because I think they've probably made a decision you know the likes of Pereira the likes of Capu um, Welbeck obviously Delefeo's away Dini was doing his own fitness it's like you have to sort of say to Ivic right well these are your guys at the moment let's just leave them for the time being but then if things don't develop then you have to start to integrate them because someone might not come in and he's got less than a year on his contract so I think it's more a fact of right well if you can find the club and you can step off our wage bill then Bob's your uncle and, and we'll 
you know, let you go. But what was it like getting to Vicarage Road today? We know this is a different game. We've all seen uh, the pictures online of the boarded-up Graham Taylor statue. The talk of the town, the police presence there was was obvious that the oldie way of a local derby was on the minds of a lot of lot of people. So Mike spoke with Adam before the game about what that felt like being at Vicarage Road. It's a bright sunny day here at, at Vicarage Road, but there's definitely a sense of something different happening. Adam, we've been to games during lockdown and they are you know, we're obviously very lucky to be here and we feel privileged to be here in our various roles, but they are not like football we, we know, not like the football we all know and love. But this one has got a slight different feeling to it, hasn't it? We were both here a little bit early to try and uh, uh, circumnavigate any, any issues that might be arising uh, from Derby Day. But what's, what's been your feeling of, of the day so far? There are differences. Obviously, there's a, there's a bigger police presence up in the... You know the top corner near Graham Taylor's statue. Obviously, that is that is boarded up There's and a, guarded and guarded. Yeah, by a security firm, extra stewards, um, police as well. Um, you know, I just I stolen little conversation between someone walking up Occupation Road as two police officers came down the road, and and someone said, uh, "Hopefully, nothing nothing will happen today." And they went, "Yeah, fingers crossed. It'll all be quiet." And you just think, right? Yeah, that 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 sort of sets it aside from. You know any of the games that we've seen so far um, in these circumstances, but you know it was interesting that uh, I can't remember who who posted it on Twitter, but there was those program notes from from Graham Taylor. I think that I think he repeated. I think they were he, printed a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, back in sort of eighty. It was in the eighties, wasn't it? And then he reprinted yeah. them just to say, look, this is what I have always thought. So please stick to it again. You know, in normal circumstances, this would be a very very volatile yeah. fixture because of the 14 years that have been building up to it. Um, and we have to sort of almost be grateful and disappointed in, in equal measure because the spectacle with fans here would have been absolutely brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Um, the hope as a sort of subtext of that would have been maybe everyone's grown up a little bit and there wouldn't be any trouble between both sets of fans, not just Luton fans, both sets of fans. Um, and now we're having to sort of deal with a situation where you think, oh, well, you know, is anyone going to come into town? They've obviously not, sh- they're not showing it in, in pubs and they're not, you know what, no one's able to obviously come in here and, and watch it. You can't sort of sneak a glimpse like I could at Oxford when I was there when they haven't got a stand. Um, so it is a, it's a very sort of strange scenario. And I obviously posted something on social media saying, you know, Watford having to board up the, the, the Graham Taylor statue. And a lot of Luton fans, you know, got in touch and said, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to. And it's like, well, yeah, okay. The club have chosen to do it. That was probably my biggest mistake. But I think what I've learned in this whole thing is, yes, it's been 14 years. The rivalry hasn't sort of dissipated. The animosity between the two sets of fans hasn't dissipated. But obviously we're now entering a situation which is like no other. And... I don't know, maybe maybe things have moved on. Maybe things, you know, the, the roads have sort of 
switched away from each other for 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 a bit and and maybe you know Watford Watford sort of making that that step to to have the the statue boarded up was maybe a step too far and maybe what um Luton fans were thinking hang on a minute guys come on I think come on I, but it's so difficult I think that's fair you because because so difficult ma- to pick the majority of of Luton supporters are just like the majority of Watford yeah, supporters exactly. they want to beat us as much as we want to beat them preferably 8-0 they'd want to see us relegated we want to see them relegated um, they want to see our best players. So, you know, we, we wish bad luck upon each other, but, uh, but without being without the sort of real anim, real life animosity, yeah. if that makes sense. And I think that's when you actually get here to the game. Because I was thinking, you know, will people turn up in town, and will this be this be that? And the reality is, of course, when you get here, it's a football match, and it's a football match between two fierce rivals. And I think just hearing you talk there, Adam, that is the real. I think sadness about about today really is we stood while we record this in uh, just uh, in the corner of um, yeah, the Elton John. Yeah, where they'd yeah. be, and you know it'd be hugely intimidating. They'd be sold out. The place would be absolutely bouncing. They'd have been here two hours before, and really, um, let's take away the nonsense out of it. Knowing that that most people, you know, we can't avoid it. People have been caught up in it. We all remember the scenes here uh, in that League Cup tie, yeah. which were which were frankly appalling and I don't mind admitting it pretty frightening for anyone who was um, who was involved in it it was it was a dark night so we can't move away from that but the reality is you look around the sun shining it's a the stadium looks great and full of 20,000 people singing shouting at each other it would have been absolutely brilliant and I think I understand where those Luton fans are coming from because they are like the majority of us yeah. they hate us we hate they hate them but they're normal girls and guys yeah normal families who just want to see their, their football team do well. And I think you're right. I think the underlying sense really is, is that of disappointment that we're not seeing, you know, 20,000 people inside Vicarage Road to see what we hope will be um, still an amazing game. What's really important now is, yes, there aren't any fans, but what the club seem to have done, you know, with all the, the social media videos and things like that, they've obviously been speaking. Um, ben Foster was speaking about it. The fact that, you know, he was... He was playing in the last, yeah, course, the yeah. last game. I was looking earlier on today, um, just at some of our younger players. João Pedro was four when we last, <laughs> when we last played um, Luton Town. So, um, yeah, that sort of shows how long, it, how long it's been. I know he is, only, he is really young as well, but, you know, it's, it shows how long it's been. Um, but hopefully, yeah, that has been drilled into the, the players. And I sort of have that belief that, yeah, there's enough people around that they will have met over the period of time that they've been at the club to, to know about what it oh, means. sure. You know, to know what it means. And, you know, obviously Troy Deeney's been back in the mix. I mean, he's never played Luton Town, but he knows what rivalry yeah, is and yeah. what that sort of animalistic feeling will be when they're, you know, lined up, socially distanced away, in the, you know, in the tunnel and of things course, like that. Yeah, so yeah. that's a really, really important element. And hopefully, and this has been the one thing that's been lacking in our first half performances, and in particular against Sheffield Wednesday, they need to be up for the physical battle yeah. because they haven't, they, that's what they've been lacking in. And um, yes, they were good in, against Middlesbrough at times, but they were still playing. It, was, it looked men against boys, but we've got men in our team and they need to be shoulder to shoulder today. So we'll see what happens. Part of the Athletic Podcast Network. This is from the Rookery End. What was it like during the game though, Mike? I mean, you talked about the vocal, you can hear the vocality, the vocality, I'm going with that, the vocality of certain players. But... We, we, we had several moments in that game where Chalabar did a good crunching tackle really early on and you would have you could imagine the roar of the crowd for showing his passion for the club. 
And I'm sure the Deeney bash at the end of the game would have also been met with an incredible rousing roar from the, the Watford faithful. What was it like, though? Anything you notice in the game? You do miss it. You miss that crowd, and it is very, it's obviously very different. But you can hear all the players. There were lots of complaints from the Luton players themselves about some of the uh, some of the fouls that were given, which I thought was a bit rich considering some of the challenges that they were they were putting in. But I think you know, as a, just watching it for the first five and ten minutes, so you sort of wait for that derby feeling to engulf you and. And of course, it doesn't really, and it quickly became apparent that the reason for that, I think, is because these players don't really have any past relationships. They've got nothing to bounce off. You know, Luton will have sat there watching Watford players on Match of the Day, but it's unlikely that Watford players will have sat watching uh, Luton players on Quest or iFollow, whatever it is that you've been having to watch. There isn't any chemistry, really, between the players. It's just, for them, it's just a football match. But what did strike me was... Big Mick Harford down there in, in the dugout, standing there barking orders and sometimes just hurling abuse at the players. It's sort of slightly uh, industrial language. But I thought, yes, you know, that is a familiar face. He's loving setting foot inside Vicarage Road and hearing his voice bellow, echo all around Vicarage Road. And I thought, right, come on, we've got to beat him now. There's Mick Harford lauding it at, at WD18. We've got to make sure we win. And that... I think that's what you miss at the moment because there's no because there's been no contact for 14 years there's no there's no little inter stories you know Arsenal and Cajones and all that sort of thing we've got we've got stories with Bournemouth we've got stories with Palace we just haven't got any recent history with them and I think that's what's what's missing and I think I was a bit disappointed that nothing in that game really started off a, a ding dong between that player and a, a problem between that player that's what you sort of wanted and I, I again I think that would have happened if Chalabar had got a big roaring cheer from the crowd for that tackle he would have gone for another couple and then there would have been a little bit of how's your father's at some point but that didn't happen until like the 90 we didn't get a yellow card to the 70 odd minute and we didn't get any sort of uh pushing and shoving but it was only throwing of a ball until like the 93rd minute yeah, I mean yeah. Troy was trying that like <laughs> headbutt at the back of the player that's that's derby that's what you do in a derby match Chad, you mentioned Chad about there he knows what he's doing he was right in the ear of anyone who was complaining or whinging he'd be right there having a quiet word so he he obviously got it he knew what was going on so there was definite stuff going in there but I think the fact that there wasn't so much ding, ding dong so much sort of um, to and fro in between them was because the, the difference was so vast really between between the quality of football, Luton played. Luton knew they had a job on their hands to stay in the game. Watford were just ha- basically had them at arms arms length. They were not taking the mick, but knew that they were very professional, which is something we said in the week we wanted them to be, didn't we? We said we wanted them to stay in control of the game, don't rise to any any bait, and I think they did a good job of that. But yeah, it was magic at the end there <laughs> to see that the, the guy chuck it, chuck the ball at, at Deeney, just lose his cool. I was like, yes, here we go. We've arrived. We've done it. We're signing off. They've lost their cool. We get the three points. You get the booking. We get the bragging rights. You look a bit daft. Magic. That's Derby Day. <laughs> it was Derby Day, and it was a good Derby Day. I'm going to be honest, Jason. Next week, what for play? Reading. Is that right? That is right. It's uh, it, it could be a top of the table clash because they've had a good start. I don't know how they're yeah. getting on. And this is my problem at the moment with with it. A, I think I was a bit too focused on the looting game, uh, but it, I don't know what to expect next week. I can look at a set of results. I can see, oh, they've had a good start. But again, you're saying top of the table. I hate people looking at the table at this point. You know, don't look until at least October. Oh, hang on, it is October. No, but don't look at it at least till 10 games so it starts forming a little bit. I've got no idea at all what to expect of Reading. I'm just, in my head, I've got, they're a, a, a championship side that will do championship things. They've been out of the Premier League a while. They haven't going to have had any financial input in terms of that way for a long, long time. We're doing all right. If we do our thing, 
we could easily win 3 0, but we could, and hopefully would, at least a 1 0. Yeah, they, and they had they had a bit of shenanigans over uh, the, the short close season, didn't they? With the departure was it Mark Bowen? I think was the outgoing manager, and they weren't really sure if he was leaving or not. I think a new manager had been announced or was already in the building, and he was still around. And then I think it came out that they were trying to give him another role, but he wasn't interested, and eventually he left. So all a, all a bit messy, but then they've started with a with a couple of wins. So we'll see how they get on this weekend. And then we'll, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just take it as it comes next week. And I think someone said um, we've got another another Serbian in the dugout on on that side. So uh, a bit of a clash there. That'll be interesting. I've seen I've seen Reading a couple of times over the last couple of years working for working for Opta, and I have to say they haven't been impressive. And I think they do look like a very much your archetypal average Championship side. And I am aware that all three of us in talking like this yes. sound like your archetypal recently relegated Premier League supporter <laughs> who just expect to to turn up and win it. But I think there is a level in the championship and I think it is it's quite consistent. I think there's obviously going to be there is obviously better sides, but the classic thing is anyone can beat anyone. And the reason that's a cliche is because it's it's true. They will be tough to beat. They will be set up to stop our better players and we'll have a game plan to beat it. So it is going to be difficult and we are going to see these slightly attritional I don't think it's any any surprise that we've seen a one nil, a nil nil and a one nil. That's that that's just the way it is. Good teams get results out of games like that. And if you're going to get promoted, you need to do it. I suspect we're going to see very much, probably like the, similar to the Sheffield Wednesday game, I think. I think it's going to be, it'll be tough and, and, and Watford just need to, it's this whole thing, stay focused and stay disciplined. And I, and I think they will, they will succeed. I think we almost blew it today. Cabasali made that mistake that, that let them in and they, they, they nearly scored from it. They should have scored from it. And he didn't switch on again for a couple of minutes. He looked, I saw um, Cathcart going across to him a couple of times and sort of say, come on. And then he had another word at half time saying, it's all right, get your head back in the game. And I think he made another mistake sort of relatively early in, in the second half as well. That said, I thought overall he had a, he had a great game. Uh, <laughs> Doesn't sound like it. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, a five-minute lapse of concentration yeah. can can ruin the whole game. I think that's the tightrope that we're going to walk. Certainly, as we as all these players get used to life at Watford, the new look Watford get get used to life under Ivic, get used to life under in these new tactics and formation and approach to football. So it's it, you'd hope that we could go into a, we will go into the game confident. Absolutely, this group of players will be happy with their afternoon's work. They can put their feet up this afternoon and bask in the warm glow of a job well done. Absolutely, and you know they haven't conceded a goal yet this season, which I don't think we've spoken about. That is that's amazing. Three lots of ninety minutes, three clean sheets is is great by anyone's anyone's going. So the, the confidence is there, but I do think we just can't take anyone. The fact that we don't know much about Reading is probably. I don't know. We must do our homework. Right. I'm telling you both now, boys. We must do our homework on our next opponent before the next podcast. But I think we know what we need to do. This Watford side is probably, from what, if it's this squad that we've seen today, they're good, good enough to challenge in this division. But they have to, have to, have to be disciplined. There's no room for error. And, and that'll be no different against Reading. Just notice they are currently 1-0 up at Cardiff. So uh, the, the uh, top of the table clash is on. I don't know who scores. Probably Leroy Leiter or Nicky Shorey or <laughs> something like that. So, yes, you're right. We do need to do our homework. It's a long time since we've seen Reading. In the Cup, when we beat them in the Cup. they and <laughs> So we've gone off on a bit of a tangent here. But I went to the Cup game at Reading a couple of seasons ago. And you're right. Yeah, they didn't look anything special yeah. that night. Our, what was then our reserve team, but probably makes up half our current, <laughs> yeah. current first team. 
dealt with them quite comfortably, including that superb rocket from Kina. But they've clearly made a good start to the season. So like you say, we've got to concentrate. We can't just sort of turn up and think we can win. Here's my Reading fact, and this is this bugs my brother to this day. I went with a school friend of mine, um, Jeremy, to watch Watford at Reading when they played at Elm Park. Uh, it's quite exciting. Jeremy had he had, he had a convertible, so he sped down the M4. <laughs> so we're like, we're, we're the boys about town. Uh, Watford went to Elm Park. It's four nil, and uh, Jeremy was driving. So I said, "Sod this, lads. We're going home." And we missed Watford's consolation goal, and it was the first goal in a Watford shirt for. Blimey, when was this? Oh, it would have helped, wouldn't it? I'll tell you, it's Kevin Phillips. Oh. It? So he missed the goal, and my brother hates that. He, even though we were losing, he hated missing it. He's never forgiven me uh, uh, for that. But there you go, there's a little useless, it's not even a fact. It's just a little... A brag that you have with your brother. It's just a, yeah, it's just a quite a boring story. <laughs> Tune in next week for more. <laughs> Thank you very much for tuning in to From the Recurring. Remember, tell your friends, and make sure you do subscribe at The Athletic for just £1. Theathletic.com forward slash rookery. End. Uh, and follow us on all the social media at Watford Podcast, Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook. Thank you, much Adam, for his input. And we'll have more with him in the midweek. We're going to have your questions for Art Leventhal. So get your thinking caps on. Thank you very much, Mike. What do you think of Luton? Beaten. What do you think of Beaton? Luton. Thank you. That's all right. <laughs> and thank you, Jason. I'm glad you didn't stop at Luton because I wasn't going to carry that on on a family family podcast. Thank you. And on to Reading. And come on, you all! Oh, <laughs>